Yo, 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 it's the 1409 Podcast. It's your boy, Gualamese World. And tonight we're joined by a special guest, a scientist, and an educational specialist, an education specialist, Miss Sherelle Webb. Well, hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you all. Ms. Well, you care to say something for the listeners out there? Yes, absolutely. So I am excited to be here with you. Um, thank you for having me. It's definitely an honor and a privilege. So thank you for having me on. Okay. And after we give our introductions, we like to take shots. But, you know, you don't have to partake if you don't drink. But I'm going to uphold a tradition <laughs> there and take my shot. I'll have a little something, something. <laughs> okay. I, sh- I shall take one with you it's just going to be water but I shall take it <laughs> Okay. you ready? Oh, where do you want to give a toast to? you got to give us a toast <laughs> before you take the shot we like to let our guests give a toast um, my toast would be um, to um, prosperity during this pandemic <laughs> okay Okay, Miss Miss Well, you care to share three things people may not know about you? Yeah, you know, I, I know that you know you mentioned scientists in the beginning, but I personally am a, not a scientist. Um, I did study science in school, and my undergrad degree is in science. Matter of fact, it's in biology and chemistry. But I myself would not. I say that I'm a scientist, but I work with scientists. And so um, I definitely want to set that record straight so they would not be coming after me. <laughs> but the three things that um, someone may or may not know about me is that um, I was actually adopted. I was adopted when I was two years old. Um, something else that someone may not know about me is that I actually love playing tennis. And the third thing would be that I find science in everything that I do. Science is the way of life, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Okay, so you grew up in Houston, Texas, right? No, I actually grew up in Lufkin, Texas. Okay, Lustin, where is that located? What's the nearest biggest city? So looking the the nearest city is you you actually will go down fifty nine. So if you if you're in Humble, right, you you hit fifty nine. They call it sixty nine now, but you you hit sixty nine. It turns to fifty nine. It's about an hour and a half away. You have um, Daba, you have Cargan, then you have Lufkin. So it's those small towns leading up to the biggest lord you know the biggest small town <laughs> which is lumpkin <laughs> okay so how how was your upbringing um it was quite interesting so as i mentioned before that um i was adopted when i was two um but you know that definitely had some negative negative connotation around it but i actually was um taken in by 
my aunt and uncle. They were officially my aunt and uncle, but fortunately they had also raised my mom. I, I know who she is. Um, matter of fact, we talk every single day, you know, and so um, that was different because a lot of times when you think of adoption, you think about the child being separated. So even though we were not under the same roof, I knew her and um, my parents were old school. So out they were in their 50s when I came around. So, you know, they were very strict um, in, you know, how I carried myself. You know, when you get out of bed in the morning time, you make your bed up, no walking around with shoes, socks on, you have to have shoes, things like that. So it was very structured home. Do you, would you say that that home molded you into you are, who you are today? Absolutely. Absolutely. I um, am very strategic and very organized in a lot of my ways. Um, you know how people say you you have an old soul. And so that has just been that has resonated with me and stuck with me forever. And so, you know, thinking about thinking about doing something before you do it and always making them proud. And it kind of made me grow up a little bit faster because um while they were elderly and while they were old i took care of them and so i started driving when i was 14 years old think about <laughs> i'm 411 and my first car was a lincoln continental long car right long <laughs> big body <laughs> but that's the first car i yes and so that's the first car that i drove because they were not able at the time to like go to the med go to pharmacy pick up their medicine and things like that and so um i was able to get out about and drive around pick up groceries pick up medicine and bring it back home and we were in a small town so they knew that but but you think about day, this day and age, there's no way a pharmacist would allow a 14-year-old to come pick up medicine for their parents. You know, it's just too much going on right now. So that was very different then. So when, when is the earliest you can remember you telling yourself that you wanted to be an educator? Um... I actually don't think I've ever told myself. I don't think I ever told myself that I wanted to be an educator. Uh, my first love was, um, I've always said when I was growing up that I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I wanted to be a psychiatrist because um, there was a psychiatrist in my family and I knew ultimately I wanted to help people. Hands down, I knew I always wanted to help people. And I really didn't know, understand what a psychiatrist does but it piqued my interest so much that it was something interesting that I wanted to know more. And so that gravitated into nursing. And nursing, again, you're helping someone. I took care of my elderly parents. So I knew that I wanted to do something in the area of taking care of people. And um, once I graduated college, my sister came to me, she was a principal, and she said, you know, Sherelle, I really need a science teacher because um, my kids are not getting it. My kids are not getting it, so I need you. And so I told her, okay. And so then I fought to get my uh, alternative certification program. So I didn't go to school for nursing, but I sought, I sought out the alternative certification program to uh, get my teacher certification. So uh, did you always have a love for science? Like, was it? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I did. And I did because not a lot of people got it. And I wanted to be that person. I, I naturally, I just got it. And so I was um, the person that people would come to, even my peers. I would tutor them. I would tutor them. And I was the same age as them. But I liked the fact that I knew something that other people didn't get. But I also loved explaining to them how it worked, how I got it, and why it is nature and why it happens and why it works and why it functions and all that. Okay. So what led to you creating coding with a twist? Wow. Okay. So this is a little bit loaded, but I'm ready for it. So um we ready. as a classic <laughs> educator, so I didn't actually <laughs> so I actually didn't get to um be the educator for my for my sister's school because um, I wasn't fully certified. And so at this point, they were not hiring people who were not fully certified. So long story short, um, um, being in the classroom, teaching science, teaching uh, these TEKS, the, what is called the Texas Essential Knowledge for Skills, the TEKS that tells you as a teacher in the classroom what to teach the kids. And so, um, I'm a lifelong learner, so every any and every professional development that I can go to to better myself, to better my kids, I was in there. And so it was this professional development that I attended, and it was about, it was given from Rice University called a Computational Thinking Coding and Computational Thinking, and it piqued my interest because I just wanted to be better. And so um, while attending this particular professional development, I discovered coding, programming, and I fell in love. I fell in love mm -hmm. that I scratched the lesson that I had planned and I revised it to insert computer science or coding into my science class. And it blew my mind in such a way that I was like, you know what? This is what's going to change the landscape, the environment, the community, the mm -hmm. mindset of the students that I'm teaching. It's not what the state of Texas is telling me to teach the kids. It's <laughs> not. And so I saw coding as something that was going to empower them to change their environment. Like that's what was going to be their ticket outside of their environment. And so from there, my passion just grew. And even though others, even my administrators didn't see it, I saw it. And I never allowed her to waver that vision that I had for my students. For sure. So uh, what what is... I know you talk a little bit about the goals, but if you had to put the ultimate goal for coding with the twist, what would so, it be? So the ultimate goal with coding with the twist is to get all of those early, not career, those early childhood centers have an emerging curriculum, just like math, reading, science, social studies, 
that it will be in all early career facilities that introduces them to this computer language that they are they're digital natives to a lot of times people are saying you know like oh my goodness how does that kid know that already and they haven't seem like they've been in this world before but technology is just instilled into their dna if it's instilled in their dna why aren't they learning it at an early stage like why aren't they learning to properly use it at that early stage versus just watching youtube you know just receiving information in other countries they are learning these computer skills much earlier and that's why they're dominating the innovation the creativity and the creation of the games mm. that ultimately our youth are consuming You know, that's a very interesting point because uh, I know me personally, I can say I never looked at it, you know, from that point of view, um, which you're right. Uh, a lot of coders are not, you know, our of our color. And it's money to be made in that yeah. and not just money, but, uh, you know, it's a form of creativity, learning. And uh, we appreciate what you're doing for making it fun and also giving our community another chance, you know, or another opportunity to excel at something. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has changed my thought process. And really, that's what it is. It's a, a strategical or, uh, yeah, it's, it's thinking strategically. You know, like almost in chronological order, you know, and if you're able to look at a line of code and to decipher or to find the bug, this could actually be a career of a data scientist, right? Or someone that's into cybersecurity. And if we're looking up the statistics now, if we look up cybersecurity, that's like a number one tech job to have. Think about that is being future proof, pandemic proof. You know, so many families are talking about, you know, they lost their position, they lost their jobs. Well, jobs like that, STEM careers, they're not being laid off. They're not being, you know, fired because they're in a job that solves a problem. They're in a position that solves a problem. So, where do you see the technology going from in the next five years or computer-based technology? We're talking with Coden. Where do you see it going in the next five years? Well, I mean, really, it's into, it's in everything. It's in everything that we're doing. So think about this. If you are still not understanding how a computer formulates how to make it work, how to make it do something, and we're going in that direction, if you don't understand the language, then someone else is going to ultimately have to build it for you, program it for you, make it work for you. There's, there's then going to be a greater 
divide, you know, technical divide. So say, for instance, if you had, if you were at the ATM, okay? If you're at mm -hmm. the ATM, you choose, you know how they only dish out cash in increments of 20, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that was a programmer that did that. But what if he messed it up, right? You asked for $200, but you only got out $100. Well, is that your fault or is that the programmer's fault? Well, in that situation, that's the programmer's fault because it's incorrect. But what are you going to do about it? How are you going to back that? We see autonomous, autonomous cars being made, being created. Are we just going to be the consumers? Or are we going to see the problem and say, you know what? Mm, I, I, I want to modify that. What are you going to do? Pay someone to modify for you? Or you want to be the person that actually comes up with the plan to modify it? And in our culture now, now we just want to pay for someone because it's convenient, because we don't want to take the time to think about it to solve the problem. So, you know, it's that microwavable thing. We want things so quick and ready and just delivered to us on the platter versus, you know, doing things from the ground up. So my biggest thing, my biggest push now is just to get kids to think strategically, no matter how hard it is in their mind. And it's only gonna get harder if you don't sit down and learn it. True. So do do you uh, have like an age limit with coding with the twist or all ages are welcome? No, not at all. All ages are definitely welcome. Um, I actually don't put an age limit on it because just because you're 18 years old, just because you're 15 years old, 13, 12, whatever, doesn't mean that this is a skill that you can just learn right off the bat, again, it's that processing, it's that strategically thinking. So there may be um, a kid that's five, six or seven years old that will actually do the rigor of testing it out because it's all about um, trial and error. And so, you know, with younger kids, they're actually gonna try and error it until they get it right. Whereas, older children around the 13 14 15 if they don't get it in like the first three times they're like uh-uh i'm not doing this right because they are used to getting up and adults around them allowing them to step away to give up and say no that's not for me it didn't work the first three times so i'm not going to do it anymore but you take those younger kids oh they they're going to do it until they get it right. They're going to keep trial and error until they get it right. And that's the biggest difference. So when it comes to ages and coding, my preference is younger because they got that grit, that grind, that tenacity. As kids get older, they want everything microwaved. So um, I believe that as they grow older, it's harder to teach them a new skill because that resilience isn't there yeah you know when you get older you uh you get a a little bit more wisdom <laughs> as they say you get a little too uh smart for your own good sometimes but uh that's that's yeah, great though that but i'm sorry you can, <laughs> you can go ahead 
Were you saying something? No, I was just saying, I was saying, yeah, but that's the down part of it, though. Um, because when you, you're, when someone's trying to teach you something, because you've been molded into thinking that because you didn't get it the first three times or four or five times, that you can just step away. Oh, it's not for me because I didn't get it. So, I'm, again, I'm talking about that grit, that grind, that tenacity, you know, that's lost in our younger generation or our, you know, middle school, high school generation. I think it's because, uh, like you said, everybody wants things microwave. And when they hear of a way to create generational wealth or as our generation like to say, get to a bag, they think it's supposed to be quick. It's a I feel like it's a disconnect with people wanting to wait the process out. You know, like if Absol- if you wanted oh, to be Yeah. I am I'm sorry, you can go ahead. <laughs> No, I I mean, no, I think that you are uh, spot on. You know, it's definitely uh, some principles that I I live by every day is that sow time and harvest. We have to give it time. It's a process, just like investments. And you're talking about generational wealth. You think that it's going to just be overnight to change your family tree? (laughs) How can it be? Mm, they think it's going to change their whole world in overnight. Mm-mm. So when did the Lunar and Planetary Institute come into fruition? Well, um, my last year of being in the classroom... Um, we all know, well, of course, this is post or not, excuse me, not post, but pre-pandemic. Um, and so there was our opportunity. We always talk about, you know, networking. And so, um, like I told you before, I was definitely a professional development junkie. I was always attending professional development. Um, matter of fact, I got into Earth in Space while teaching a Great science. Mm-hmm. I've definitely felt that my very first year of teaching eighth grade science, I definitely felt like I taught it okay when it came to earth and space. But realistically, I could have really taught it better. Like I could have done a better job of teaching the section of earth and space. So after reflecting on that, I then emerged myself into earth and space professional development. So anything that was given out about that particular reporting category, I attended. As a matter of fact, it was reporting category three. So I emerged myself um, going to space camps and um, national earth and space conferences. And I stumbled across this phenomenal conference. It's called SEEK. And it's S-E-E-C. And it's held at the um, Space Center Houston every single year. Well, um, I surrounded myself with these people, with these other educators, with these fellow fellow educators that love Earth and space. Like, this is what they do. And so by me being around people that loved it, 
it gave me a connection that I didn't have before. And so I started attending space camp myself. I started meeting new individuals, different cultures, all of that. And um, and one of my friends on Facebook, she actually posted the position. And at this time, I was actually praying to God for a transition out of the classroom because I felt like I reached the glass ceiling. And at this time, the level of support for educators in the classroom was at its all-time low, but the level of disrespect from administrators, from students, from parents was at its all-time high. So I was actually praying for a transition. And so when the uh, position came about, I applied, got an interview, and um, I was offered the position. I left one week before my students took the, the state's test, and um, I did not have any regrets. And I didn't have regrets because along this time, when I got the when I was offered the position, I um, my students were used to you know people adults going in and out their lives, and so I wanted to make sure that I had a communication with them that they knew that I was doing this not only to better myself but also to provide better for my family. And um, after them knowing that, then they gave me well wishes and they were happy for me. And many of them I still keep in touch with. Matter of fact, um, a young lady emailed me the other day asking for a letter of recommendation. And so that's when LPI became reality to me. So you you said you this is just a question out of my curiosity. You did a lot of studying on, on the planets and in Earth. So are you a flat earther or a round earther? Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I think they just want attention. Um, it's ridiculous. And that's all I should say. It's just despicable, really. So how do you explain the flat earther science that uh, seems to be factual? I don't know. <laughs> because <laughs> some some stuff makes some some sense in uh for both parts you know flat earthers around earthers but these flat earthers gonna go out their way to make it uh make their facts be known okay well i just want them to um have evidence that they can walk to the edge of the earth and fall off I have a great idea. This is my idea since you studied the planets. That Earth is flat, but it's only flat on one part of it. It's not actually a full circle. It's a semicircle. You know, the bottom of the semicircle is flat. It's like a dome, basically. Earth is a dome. Okay. I mean, you know, hey, this is this is your show, you know, but I'm just going to put for the record. That is not my viewpoint. 
You don't think Earth a dome? No, I don't. And then when you get to the edge where people think you're going to fall off, all the things we learn about in science, like gravity and inertia, just forces you to keep going around. And that's how you go around. <laughs> um, no. I'm going to say no. No, 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 no. But you know what? That's not how I it works. Give, I want to get back to this too. Uh-uh. No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> but I want to say this um, for coding with a twist. I wanted to say that um, initially, you know, coding with a twist was made to introduce the underestimated. I do feel that our black and brown children are deemed the underestimated. Um, and it was to introduce them to computer science, robotics, and coding. And so, um, when I think about the underestimated, underestimated could be that that population that I spoke of as their parent, one of their parents, or both of their parents may be incarcerated. It could be that individual, that child that's on the um, autism spectrum. It could be the student who um, teachers don't know what to do with them because they finish all their work, um, you know, before others and they have nothing to do. So then they result to distracting other people. It could be that um, that kid that don't fit into anything else, but they love working with their hands. They don't like to talk much, but they like to work with their hands. Um, so the underestimated could be anyone that isn't getting exactly what they need in a classroom before walls. So what is your favorite part about educating students? Um, definitely the exposure, exposure, that light bulb moment. I think that, um, uh, th- that's going to be quite a common response around educators because we got into this business for exposure and introducing them, sparking the interest in something that they, they didn't even know existed. And so that light bulb moment is priceless. Having that light bulb moment open to a student that said, you know what, I didn't even know I liked this so much. I didn't know that this was something that I could actually do. And so it's the exposure. You know, I I have vowed to never ask a young person, oh, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? I have vowed to Never ask a young person that again. And in turn, ask them, how do you want to change the world? See, the first question only allows them to say things that they think you want to hear. And (laughs) for you to keep on walking and get out of their face so they can go back to doing whatever they were doing. But when you ask a young person, how is it that they want to change the world? Then that's a little bit more thought provoking. See, I believe that I actually would never allow any adult to ask my children what it is that they want to be when they grow up. Because if you haven't exposed the kid to anything in particular for them to choose from, how could they answer the question? 
Mm. Are you leaving it up to TV to expose them? Are you leaving it up to music to expose them? Like, what are you thinking that they've been given their answers from or getting their answers from? Mm. Doesn't make sense. That is um, deep. And uh, that could be a a very good topic, though. I, I like that because, you know, as a young age student, uh, kids' brains are like sponges and they're going to absorb everything that's around them. And very true in what you said, Absolutely. if they're not exposed to, you know, if they're not exposed to things, how can they know what they want to be? It's almost like we're putting them, we're limiting them. You know, we're giving, we're giving them a limitation. You know, that's crazy. I never looked at it or thought yeah. about it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. So, do you see yourself... Uh, transitioning from just teaching science or is it just going to be strictly science um will you you know what 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 is your i'm sorry i was going to say what what does your business plan consist of or look like in the next five years how how are you planning to shift it Well, you know what? I am so happy you asked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually involved in a lot of things. And so with education specialists for the Women Planetary Institute, I mean, of course, that's my career. You know, and I want to say that I work with 26 scientists that study every object in our solar system. And my job is to present the public with the things that they find. Like, that is my career, but that's not what I want to do forever. Um, And I also want to say that I am honored and privileged to say that I am the first person of color to have this position in 52 years. How incredible is that? But I also want to say that I have other businesses. First one is Coding with a Twist. I also have Generational Wealth Financial Group. I also have a fire to inspire education consultant, and I'm also a professional speaker. So with that being said, I want to transition into entrepreneurship 100% of time. I want, I have plans three to five years to fire my boss. Yes, I understand that I'm blazing a trail that hasn't ever been walked before, but I have now opened the door and this way, I'm preaching the good news of LPI, um, all of our internships that we have available. I'm going into communities that didn't even know LPI existed. So I've been spreading the joy and the good news of it. However, there's going to be a time and a place where I take off that education specialist hat and I walk into entrepreneurship 100% of the time. As I was brought up and raised, you know, we were all brought up to go to school, you know, make good grades go to college, find that awesome job. And, you know, for the most part, I have followed that script. But I I do not believe that going to a nine to five is going to generate generational wealth for me and my family. There's no way that that's going to happen. 
because having a job limits us, right? Time and money. But entrepreneurship allows us to have limitless time and money. And so um, entrepreneurship is definitely the goal. Got to get it. <laughs> Got to. <laughs> yeah. So how important is networking to you? How does it connect everything you want to accomplish in the next three to five years? How does it connect everything that you have going on right now with educate educating students? How important is networking? Um, I mean, man, networking is an invaluable skill to have. It's definitely a skill. You know, um, I how did I find out about um um this particular podcast? I mean, fourteen oh nine podcast. I was introduced to on Clubhouse. You know, and that's a form of networking. And with us being inside and um, during this, during the pandemic, I, I miss networking. I am a people person. I love being around people. I am a social butterfly, and so um, I was not always. All right, guys. Can you hear me? Like, yeah, yeah, we can hear you. There we go. We're having some technical difficulties. Okay. Can you hear me like this? Yeah, there we go, Miss Webb. Uh, I still can't hear you. Why she why she is Ms. Webb is getting her audio. We're having technical difficulties, but I just want to remind everybody that candle and wax handcrafted candles. Woodwick candles. If you're looking for those, go to www.jlovecandleco.com. Order these candles. They the bomb. They woodwick, they burn for like four days. Very, very distinctive fragrance. Some candles y'all want to burn for real. Make sure y'all go to that website and order some candles from J Love Candle Co. Also, for entrepreneurs that tuned in, if y'all looking for Hello, some marketing and branding expert, hey, there we go. Can you hear me yes, from this screen? Yeah, we can okay, hear you good. Uh, all right, well, good. Okay, so um, I don't know where I was, but. <laughs> we were talking about the networking, What's you know, it? how does it connect everything that you have going on right now? 
So network is definitely an invaluable tool. As I was saying before, the 1409 podcast, I found that out by networking. Um, I was always, um, I'm a people person, so I love being around people. But being a network social butterfly, I didn't get an Instagram until I got on Clubhouse. And so um, using it as a tool to market uh, my businesses, I mean, my businesses don't function without people. And so with that being said, that's all of them. Generational Wealth Financial Group, I'm educating um, communities of color about changing the financial landscape of their lives. So that definitely requires people. Coding with a twist, I'm introducing the underestimated. Those are people. Um, professional speaking, I have to have, have an audience. So every every business venture that I'm a part of involves people. So networking is critical. As we love to say, network equals network. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with also, I would like to piggyback on that and say, you know, if the network that you're around, if they're comfortable being where they are, I think you need to find another network. Gems. You just dropped some gems for real. So, Ms. Webb, how many times have you been on a podcast as a guest? Actually, it's been about six times. It's been about six times. And I enjoy every unique experience from um, each of them um, because I've got mm-hmm. to highlight a different part of uh, myself. And so um, I've enjoyed every interview that I've been a part of. Okay. And what would you say is your favorite episode of the 1409 podcast? You know, there are a lot of them. Y'all have been doing a lot of work, but hands down, I would definitely like to say, and I actually wrote it down um, as I was going through, going through Mm -hmm. the, um, going through the, the interviews. And my favorite one definitely has to be Pop Darby, and he was talking about um, microfinancing and generational wealth. Um, mm-hmm. That's part of my second venture, which is Generational Wealth Financial Group. So I definitely enjoyed his his interview, his interaction. He does have a lot of knowledge. And matter of fact, I um, volunteer with him or volunteer at the same location as where he was. And that was with the organization um, Unity is Wealth. And so um, that had to be my favorite interview so far. Okay. So who would you like to see on 1409 in the future? So in the future, um, I'm also a part of this phenomenal um, women's organization called Promote Her. And there's this young lady. You've probably heard of her name, Mika Diamond. She is definitely a phenomenal young woman that's um, actually just purchased a book. I'm not, excuse me, (laughs) purchased a book. She um, (laughs) just written a book and it's being released. And so um, I would definitely like to see her because she's doing phenomenal things. She actually is a part of a radio show already 
but just getting her story out instead of being the host of being the a guest on a show. And so that's definitely a person that I would recommend to um, be next up on the 1409 podcast. Okay, we would definitely reach out and try to make that happen. Ah. <laughs> so, you know, we asked a lot of questions, but you know, we got to do the question of today. And since okay, you what are is it? an education specialist and you like to study science, I think I was ask something along those lines. Um, and the okay. question of today I mean, I have is... a question of the day for you as well. Okay, okay. <laughs> My question is, is the meaning of life the same for animals and humans? No. Can you no. explain it scientifically? I wouldn't... I wouldn't. Yeah, well, I mean, I can give you my personal viewpoint. Um, mm -hmm. If we think about now, this may be offensive to some of your vegan fans out there, but ultimately, you know, animals, humans, we, you know, our purposes, our life purposes are different, right? Um, animals, not all of them, but majority of them were, are here to give us nutri nutrition and for us to eat them, you know, to give us energy, energy to, you know, do the things that um, we do and are passionate about. You know, not all animals are have that lifespan or life prediction, but majority of them do. And when we uh, think about human lives, of course, we are abundance and multiply yes that's the same for animals but our lives and our expectations and our desires are different than animals so i'm gonna stick with my same answer and say no it's not the same um i feel like that was a trick question <laughs> no no it wasn't a trick question I just say I just had to ask a question that was contradict uh like a little controversy in with science because you love science. You know, from a Yeah. I guess looking from a scientific standpoint, I would say yes. But humans don't do what animals do. You know, animals are fruitful, they multiply, they don't and we destroy our environment, you know, as humans, how we live our lives, we destroy yeah. the environment. But if you think about animals, That's true. they multiply and they give back into like the environment. But we just take from it all the time. So that's yeah. kind of where I wanted to go with it. You that's know, true. From, yeah. So what's, what's your question okay. of today? Well, my question of the day, my question of the day for you is, um, so have you heard of the Mars Perseverance rover? Mm, no, I don't think I have. Okay, so it was launched from Earth in July. And so the landing took six months to reach Mars. Mm. So can you imagine being on a road trip for six months? Can you imagine that? 
No. <laughs> so the question would be if it took six months from a machine, a rover, to get to Mars, if it took six months to get to Mars, how long do you think it takes for programmers to send communication to a machine that's six months away from us? Um, five years. No Googling. No, I, I just did uh, six months is half of a year and uh, I just did some math in my head, so I just said five years. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Yep. Oh, okay. I guess with all the satellites, just like pinging, bouncing signals. Yeah, and ultimately, you know, the speed of light. So we're communicating with through the speed of light. Well, yeah, radio waves. Sound waves. Mm. I don't know. Streaming. You're using StreamYard. <laughs> yeah. So we got satellites that pick up uh, sound waves and transmit sound waves from something that takes six months to get to. But I can't have a good cell phone signal when I go to this certain spot. I don't believe hey, it. No, I'm just they don't have <laughs> They don't have enough towers, you know, they don't have enough towers, but we, we think about, um, you know, the GPS, the global positioning system. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we communicate, even, the scientists communicate with the rover. Go ahead. Even that though, my GPS be losing signal sometimes. Like you, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, you, you know, like, uh, all right, so. I used to stay in this apartment. Dead zone. Yeah, now before, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. This is crazy, right? When I moved into this apartment, they told me that my signal for my internet and everything would be slower because of the location of this apartment in this apartment complex. Now, I remind you that I'm doing DSL, like internet cables from the ground so how will my signal be affected because of the location of my apartment is what i don't understand but you're telling me in 10 minutes we can communicate to people that are 10 excuse i said that wrong in 10 minutes we, we can communicate with people that are six months away and well distance. technically Technically, it's not people, it's a machine because we have not been successful in to sending people to Mars. We're only sending machines, rovers to Mars. Mm -hmm. So we're communicating with the machine. But they can't communicate to any of my machines. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> right to me. That was, that's not what their purpose was. Their purpose no, is you not know, to I'm supply petty. you the internet. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm petty. <laughs> I'm low key petty. 
No, but that that's that's Shame interesting though. That's interesting. That's like mm-hmm. six months away. It takes ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I have uh, another one for you. So, okay. you know, when you're going outside, was it a nice day in Houston? Because we're in Tyler at the moment. So we're not in Houston, but we will be on tomorrow. So was it a nice day in Houston today? I wouldn't be able to tell you that because I'm I'm in South Carolina. Oh, okay. You, you, I know, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. Well, was it a pretty day in South Carolina? Yeah, it was a decent day today. It was kind of hot, humid. Okay, so the sun was out. Yeah. Okay, so do you know when you go outside and you look up into the sky? and the sun rays are coming down on you. Actually, when you look up at the sun, that's actually the sun eight minutes ago. So technically, we're always living in the past. What you think about that? Um, I think the sun is inside our ecosystem and not so many million, million miles away because uh. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I don't want to go. It, it... <laughs> when you say ecosystem, do you mean our solar system? I mean, if this is what I mean, if Earth has a ferment, then uh, the sun is inside that ferment. Like a light bulb in a room. <laughs> Between day and night, somebody flicking our light switch <laughs> off. That's what it is. The sun going up and down. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. As long as that, as long as that's happening, twenty four hours within twenty four hours. This while is my theory. The Earth is rotating on its axis. So listen, we, we let's talk science. How can no the sun? No, <laughs> I got no. another question for you. Why, why can't I ask my question? Why, why, why can't mm-hmm. I ask my question? Listen, because you went from flat Earth to the sun being its own ecosystem to us being no. The answer is no. All no. right, can I ask? Let me just ask this question. This this is gonna make sense. Okay. Listen. How can if we're talking about how light travels, how can we see the sun from so many miles away? But my flashlight and my car headlights only go to a certain distance. Why they ain't shining million, million miles away? Well, first of all, no, I haven't thought about that. (laughs) But first of all, you know, the sun is a natural light, right? It was, it's not created. It wasn't created by, you know, humans. It wasn't created by man. It's a natural light. Matter of fact, the sun is actually a star. It's the closest star to our planet. 
And so that's why it has the greater light. And I had never thought about um, the lights being in distance and they fade away. But I do know the, the making of the light. Listen, let me let me blow your mind it's even a little bit more. I don't know. That's weird. Can, can, can I, I blow ahead. your mind a little bit more about when I say like the earth is in our ecosystem? All right. If you think about your headlights, no, right? I, no, listen, 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 no, listen. This is going to no. make perfect sense. Can, can I just say this? It's going to make perfect sense. If you think about your headlights, right? You have dim lights. And they are in, if you look at your headlights, the way it's shaped, it's a ferment. All right. You have. Okay. A ferment or a filament. Right. Like it's a ferment. If you look at it, if you look at the back part of your lights, it has like this aluminum kind of like it's a cone. Yeah. Like every yeah, light yeah. shape basically is a mm -hmm. cone. Headlight shape is yeah. a cone. I got you. All right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. If you have your dim lights on, they shine at a certain distance, right? Because that's that ferment. That's that, you know, that semicircle that I was talking about. Now, if you turn your bright lights on, they shine at a brighter distance because that ferment is created different you know what i'm saying so if we're talking about how light travels maybe earth is a semicircle and the sun is in that ferment and we can see it because it travels within that ferment and at that distance which is such and such million miles away 93 million miles away because your your bright your listen, your bright lights on your car are probably only gonna shine three miles down the road, maybe. Your dim lights only shine what a mile down the road, I'll say quarter mile down the road, half a mile. So how can we see the sun? Light is light. You know what I'm saying? If light travels, it's light. Where there's light from the sun, where there's light from a light bulb, I feel like light is light. If we're talking about measuring things in light, light is light. I am speechless. And um, <laughs> yes, I do believe that Ken is definitely trolling. And you know what? I'm, I'm not trolling. Okay. No, I'm not trolling because yeah, people like to say I'm trolling, <laughs> but what I'm saying makes perfect sense in my head. Like, so this listen, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, like, don't get me wrong, I love science too. But I had an interesting conversation with a guy one day, and we were talking about the sun and how light shines. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, and this this is like this is really my big, big thing with the sun. If it's so many miles away and Earth is not a ferment, as I'm saying, how can the light from Earth be, uh, from the sun be pinpointed into that circle that, that we see that is the sun? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
if that makes sense too like i have to like explain it explain it like with a flashlight okay you know like if you if you shine your flashlight like really close to something you can see the ring but Mm-hmm. As it move, how how light travels. Yeah. If you move far mm-hmm. away from the fl- with the flashlight, it's not really a circle anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't see that circle. It's more so. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like a yeah. I mean, it's light, uh, like but you don't really have a form. Yeah. yeah, but you mm-hmm. don't have a shape or a form of light. Mm-hmm. So how can the sun be mm-hmm. a circle? And and it's like this, like and then I, I I put it like this too. So if the sun is in outer space. How is it dark? You know what I'm saying? How is it dark in space? If the sun is this big light that's in space, how is space dark? Because it's like if you're in a room and you cut the lights on, the whole room is lit up. You know what I'm saying? It's not like certain corners of the room is dark. Well, yeah, but you you have to understand, too, that the sun is the greater light in our I often say our ecosystem because you say ecosystem. But see, our see? <laughs> you're throwing me ecosystem. out. But the ecosystem. sun is only in <laughs> no, no. The sun is in our solar system. It's the greater light in our solar system, and so we only don't see it. Is when remember that while the if this is the sun, the earth is revolving around the sun while the earth is rotating, right? So in that hour of 24, we have day and night. And once the earth make one complete revolution around the sun, we have four seasons, and that's how we get direct and indirect sunlight and i get what you're saying but if i shine a flashlight on at you right and your eyes are open you can rotate around this flashlight follow me now this flashlight can rotate around you are you still are you are you ever going to be in darkness The sun doesn't rotate. But the sun is light. So light. So that that goes back to the point of affirming of the flashlight. If the sun doesn't rotate and it's just this ambience of light, that's back to my room theory. If you're in a room and you cut on the lights and you rotate around in that room or if you rotate around that room, is it are you ever going to be in a point of darkness? Well, yes, 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 yes. Because listen, the the source of the light is not moving. You are. You're on earth. So you the one have to move. So yes, eventually you're going to go into a dark space because you're the one moving, not the source of light. It still doesn't make sense. Okay, it's like your microphone. Yes, listen. Okay, look at your mic. Look at your mic. Your mic can be your source of light, right? Now, what I want you to do is slowly turn around. Go ahead, do it, do it. Slowly turn but, around. But, listen, but your mic is, the, is your source of light. But this is, I get what you're saying, but this is what I'm saying. As far as like like the, the headlight theory, if 
the sun is not in a a ferment or this cone <laughs> as we're talking like a flashlight and it's not being directed towards something it's not, so the sun is not a light bulb is what you're saying if you think about a light bulb mm -hmm. just think about a light bulb versus a flashlight because a flashlight a flashlight is in a ferment. If you think about a ferment, you have the flat yeah. surface, which is the lens, and the cone, whatever that made up, whatever is made out of. That's a ferment. Plastic. Right? <laughs> so that, yeah. that light is being directed at something. So is our sunlight right. just okay. being directed? Because it, it doesn't make sense because this is why I say it doesn't make sense. Because if it's being directed at something, but sometimes the moon can show up orange and science says that sunlight is reflecting off the moon and that's why it, that's why the moon looks orange so is our sunlight being directed mm -hmm. at something through a ferment or is it just light like you cut up like like i'm saying when you walk in the room if you think about space and space being dark if you walk it's just say you walk in your room in that space and when you want sunlight you hit your light bulb that room is lit you know what i'm saying because your your light bulb is not yeah. like a projector light. It it isn't it's not controlled to a certain point. You feel what I'm saying? It's like it's here to light up the room. I do. So is is the sun just like mm -hmm. projected light to light up earth and not space? Or is it a light bulb for space? Well see. Well, see, one of the things that I want you to also realize that space is so vast and things are so spread apart that potentially our sun, remember that our sun is a medium-sized star. It's not even the largest star in the galaxy, which means that it probably is not illuminating any other planet because it's just a medium-sized star. How they know that? And so what I hear... <laughs> science, How they know what a medium-sized star is? No. It's just, it's science. How else would I be able to explain it? And we all know that stars have life cycles. So eventually our sun is going to end because it has a life cycle but i hear your theory and what i have what i don't hear in your theory is the movement i still don't hear movement in your theory see the sun is always the sun because it's the sun but what changes is the direction of the sunlight because it's the indirect and direct sunlight direct sunlight in the summer indirect sunlight in the winter but that 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 is like my theory does cover movement because i'm asking is the sun projected light or is it a light bulb in a room because if we take no, it back to this I believe theory, that if you, if, so you're saying that it's a ferment earth is in a ferment then no, no, and the sun is it. No, no, what are you saying? Like that's no, what no, I'm no, saying. No. That that that's no, what my theory is. I'm not saying that. Mm -mm. No, I said I hear your theory. I didn't say I agree with your theory. I hear your theory. So I don't think that. I mean, the sun is just the sun. It's a. I don't even want to say it's a projected light, even though I'm leaning towards that point. 
it's a it's yes, a because I got direct I got, some, life. I got some these are my questions. I ain't heard nobody ask these questions. These are my questions. These are what I, this is what I be thinking. I be looking you know, at like you and know, I be thinking. Cause look, 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 Ms. Will, I'm gonna do it right now. I'm in my room right now. We're talking about Earth rotating. I I still see light though. There's no dark point in my room. You see what I'm saying? Like if even if I go around this computer, there's no dark point in my room. But like if the light was projected in a certain area of that room and I moved out of it, yeah, it's dark. So is the sun projected light or is it just a light bulb? That's what I want to know. Like even when I you think about other stars and they and light they, bulb. I would say it's a light bulb. It's not projected light, it's a light bulb. It's just there. It's just there. Then it doesn't make it's a sense. Light, bulb. light, it's just light there. doesn't make sense to me. If if the sun is a light bulb, light <laughs> you know doesn't what, make though? sense to me. <laughs> you, you know what though? I definitely want you. I I mean, I think that you have some fascinating questions. Um but uh, I mean, I, I encourage you to come out to speak with our scientists. We have free public forums all the time. Seriously, because um, it's definitely thought provoking. But um, I mean, I would never have enough guts to say that, to, to ask those questions. But if you believe your theory, hey, I think you need to talk to some experts. However, I am not that person <laughs> no you know you know science I am in, is, i'm admitting it no i'm just saying science is a, a theory science starts as a theory and then you build a hypothesis and you do an experiment you know but what but you love in science that's in math but hypothesis 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 you know hypothesis i'm sorry i said hypothesis you know that's a part of that's a part of science too, because you gotta do a little bit of math and science now. It's don't don't math, like baby. that as well. <laughs> math, is, math is science. Science is math, you know. But hypothesis, not hypotenuse. <laughs> hypothesis. But yeah, yeah. So I always thought that because this this guy was uh, trying to explain like to me, and uh, I was like, yeah, I ain't buying that. Either the sun is a projector light, it can't be a light bulb. And you know, <laughs> okay. That's just that's just that's just my theory. I'm not trying to convince anybody on it. But like you said, I feel like it's a valid point and a valid, a valid arguable point. Maybe I should talk yeah, to some absolutely. scientists. Heck yeah. I think you should yeah. take this show on the road. Now people thinking like, dang, people probably in there playing with their flashlights mm -hmm. now. That's projector like, and they probably playing with their light bulbs. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? This is a light bulb. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, whatever you, whatever you can do to get the people thinking, that's all that matters. Oh yeah. So after after we do the question of the day, that was a long segment. I don't know. It was fun though. I like I like conversations. <laughs> like that. that was fun. You have fun. Good, I did. You have fun I did. thinking, I like, what in the world is this again. guy thinking? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we like to do a segment what we call this to that, and this to that okay. is basically, you know, like kind of like would you rather? I'm gonna ask you, would you 
you know, okay. this or that. Um, okay. Let's see. Let me think of something. We like, I kind of like to try to like, when I do my this or that, we don't like write these down. We just come off the top of the head, but I kind of like okay. try to like get it into like your feel first and then we can go. All right. So yeah, this okay. is my this or that. Uh, you said there's no age limit. Well, you kind of answered this one, but would you rather teach younger kids or older kids? Which you kind of already answered. Younger. Younger. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm thinking. Okay. So, uh, coding or earth science? Coding. Coding? Why would you say coding? Um, because coding is an is an innate skill or it's a learned skill that can flat out change the trajectory of your career. Like um, one of the things that again I, I talked about is entrepreneurship. Even though I, I am an educator, I am not always preaching, hey kids, you need to go to college, you need to go to college, you need to go to college. Now I do believe that. There are some skills that you can learn from college and learn from development wise. And if you go that route, that's okay. But the job is to fine tune those skills, right? But eventually getting to a point where you can fire your boss. So that's why I say coding because then when people come to you for projects, if you're able to solve that problem, you can name and write your own ticket versus being um, just educating someone on earth science. That is great to explore that, but what problems are you solving by exploring earth sciences? I know that we're uncovering, you know, the history of the world, but ultimately what problems are you solving? So that's why I say coding and versus earth science. Yeah, we still got problems to figure out with Earth science too, though. Like, is the sun? Yeah, we do, but who's I'm back trolling. I'm back trolling. I'm trolling. I'm sorry. (laughs) Shame on you. I think that should be the name of this episode. With with Mr. Real Web, is the sun project the light or a light bulb? No, I'm just joking. Oh my goodness. Then I had a good this to that, but I made myself forget with the jokes. Oh, it was a good one. Shame. Oh, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, being an educator in a school system or educating on your terms? Educating on my terms, hands down. Educating on my terms, hands down. There's a lot of red tape in ISD. There's a lot of red tape uh, within four walls that teachers um, who, are un- who aren't unorthodox. I was an unorthodox educator. And even though my principal allowed me to do certain things, there was still some restrictions 
And so um, being a consultant, being able to do my own things on my own terms is the way I like it to happen. So hands down, um, being able to do my own thing. Okay. I got to say educated because I don't want people to think that uh, you just tutoring people in science. You know, it's a right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I am coaching some I'm coaching some teachers right now in fifth and eighth grade science because I am a consultant outside of being an education specialist. And then I also coach teachers in creating cultural relevant lessons uh, for their children of color. And um, on the same aspects of educating with generational found generational wealth financial group, I'm educating our communities of color uh, regarding their financial plan. You know, a lot of times we we don't like to talk about money, but because we don't have great relationships with money. So besides coding, besides um, Earth and space scientists. My third favorite thing to talk about is definitely money. I love to talk about money too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miss Webb, you can't prepare with a question of the day. Did you come prepare with any this or that that you wanted to ask? Because I don't think I'm dissing that out. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see. I may borrow some that I've heard from the other episode. Um, okay, that's fine. Okay, so no, I, I'm gonna make up one. I'm gonna make up one. So your mm, let's see, how are you asking this? Like, would, uh, would you rather? Uh, let's see, not would you rather, but. Um, just, just think of two I, things I guess. and just ask. Like, I would say, like, if I had to, like, put it in, like, simple terms, I would say, like, water mm-hmm. or soda. Kind of like something like that. Water oh, water or soda. Or so- okay, I got you. And yeah, I, would, like this, I would say this water. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, mine would be um, high school or high school or uh Post high school, so like young adult, young adult or high school. Um, I would say young adult, solely because why? Uh, actually, high school. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna recant my <laughs> answer, and I'm gonna say high school because okay, why? Uh, a lot of people say high school ain't taught them nothing about like the real world, but like for me, like high school actually taught me everything about the real world. Like the from the structure of society, like where you lay, you know what I'm saying? Like where where you lie in the totem pole, quote unquote the totem pole. Mm-hmm. You know, like it mm-hmm. uh it taught me diversity. You know, like what to expect with different different cultures or different people. Um, high okay. school taught me about money because I had my first job when I was in high school, and you know it wasn't all okay. about what I wanted, but at the time, what I felt like I needed. 
you know, I was uh, one of the seniors that was able to pay for my senior supplies and do stuff on my own because at that point I felt like that's what I needed. So I had to budget for that while doing what I wanted to do. Okay. So like high school taught me okay. a lot. Now I'm not, I, I would say like the advisors or the teachers in high school didn't necessarily make it their goal to teach me that, but just by living, I learned okay. a lot through high school. Okay. That's a, that's a great response. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, would you say um, Cadillac or Lincoln? Come on, Miss Sherelle. I'm a listen. I'm a GMC. If it's Ford and GMC, I'm gonna pick GMC every day. Give me that old Cadillac. I used to drive a Cadillac, but I hit a deer with it, and uh, that was the end of that. <laughs> I know it was. <laughs> yeah. KT like to call it. KT like to call it the uh, <laughs> the domestic form. <laughs> You know, because you, you <laughs> <laughs> just by like oh how expensive goodness. how expensive the maintenance is and everything is with a Cadillac. You just call it the yeah the, the domestic <laughs> form. Yeah, the domestic form. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because you right. you driving the you driving so, a domestic um, car, but you feel like you're driving a form. Ha ha ha! The maintenance and stuff is. <laughs> Well, that's what uh that was a, a definitely a go to for my dad. He was definitely a Cadillac person. He was a Cadillac person. Then later on, Lincoln started to be in his thing, but we had like a new car frequently. Mm. New Cadillac. Especially if you can get you a CTSV. Then you doing something. Or XTS. That's an older Cadillac convertible with the Corvette engine in it. Yeah, you know, see, now you're doing something. But, hey. <laughs> hey. I did not know he had a Corvette engine, though. Yeah, the XTS, I don't, they don't even make them anymore. But the STS convertible uh, Cadillac had a Corvette engine in it. It was the, because GM makes, mm. like, Chevrolet, Pontiac. And, like, the thing about GM is they have cars that look alike, but just a different name. So, like, if you look at the... The Chevy Suburban, the Yukon Denali XL, and the Cadillac yeah, Escalade. Yeah, they have the same platform. Yeah, they they all look alike, but they just have. But that's General Motor Company, you know. But it's just yeah. like, you know, it's it's the, like the, it's, it's like, like the Tahoe is the Lexus, base model, right? Yeah, because uh, yeah, to uh, Lexus was it Toyota owns Lexus. One of them owns one, but like yeah, one is the luxury brand. Yeah, Toyota owns Lexus, but Lexus yeah. is Toyota's like luxury brand. Like the same with Honda and Acura. Gotcha. Like uh, you know, if you uh -huh. get a Honda, but Honda owns Acura and Acura is Honda's like luxurious brand. You know what I'm okay. saying? The same the same is true with like uh like Volkswagen and I want to say is Volkswagen and Porsche maybe? It's it's something crazy. Oh, I think really? Volkswagen Volkswagen owns Porsche. Yeah, and like uh, mm. Fiat the Fiats, they bought like a uh, Dodge Chrysler and all that. That's they call Mopar now, like Mopar parts. But yeah, 
the car world is very like okay i didn't know strange. that yeah but i would definitely pick a cadillac though over the lincoln <laughs> okay well cool well cool you, said, uh, you gonna pick that lincoln you gonna pick a lincoln no <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> i have i have one more for you so would okay. you rather um would you rather i mean see bowling or um skating mm, that's a good one because i like the bowl but uh I'm gonna say skating because I'm spontaneous. And although I like to bowl, but after like two games, I don't want to bowl no more. It get boring. But you know, you can skate, and you skating with people is funny because somebody might fall. You never know what can happen while you skate. Yeah. So I rather skate. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> I want to see somebody That's fall. True. I want to, you know. I want to push you somebody. Know, you're getting a little older, so the. Oh my goodness! KT said he Ken said bowling. bowling. Okay, he's being safe. Yeah, I want to go skating. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, I want to see if somebody one, in though. the skating ring doing some uh, ATL skating and roll bounce skating. You know, I want to see if people actually doing that in real life. I think that would be cool to see. Right, I think that that'll be cool to see, but I'm I'm too um uncoordinated to do that. So that's definitely uh <laughs> is not uh my skill set, a part of my skill set. True. You got some good this and that. Look at you. You came through. You came through with a question of today. Yeah. You came yeah. through with some this and that. <laughs> you was you went yeah playing. You was ready, huh? Yep. Hashtag stay ready. <laughs> All right, Miss Sherelle Webb. Go ahead and plug in one more time everything that you have going on. Let the listeners know. All right. Well, thank you again for having me. It was indeed a pleasure for all of your listeners out there. Uh, my name is Sherelle Webb again. I am an education specialist with the Lunar and Planetary Institute. Um, I have Coding with a Twist, where I introduce the underestimated, never the underrepresented to the world of computer science, robotics, and coding. I also have Generational Wealth Financial Group, where I'm educating you on putting a financial plan in place. You know, a lot of times you talk about um, not wanting to talk about life insurance, but that's the first thing we bring up when someone passes away. So I can help you put those things in place so your family can be financially set upon your passing. Also, I have on Fire to Inspire Education Consultant. So if you are an educator who are finding it hard to find those or creating lessons for those children of color in your classroom, please get at me because I can help you come up with those culturally relevant lessons. And always, if you're looking for someone to motivate your audience, please get at me as well because I am a public speaker. Thank you so much. And again, my name is Sherelle. Hey, make sure y'all follow me, Sherelle Webb, <laughs> on Instagram at SW underscore on fire to inspire. Absolutely. It's the 1409. Thank you. 
<laughs> it's the 1409 podcast. You know where to find us. Always press record TV. Make sure you get the app on your fire stick. Smart TV. Nobody grinds like us network. Make sure you download the app on your smartphone. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, you know, anywhere you get your podcast for the free. Follow us on YouTube at 1409 Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you follow the page on IG at 1409 Podcast. Twitter, Facebook, all the same, 1409 Podcast. Make sure you check out our website at www.1409podcast.com. We have all our episodes uploaded there along with some merch. And what we're doing right now for people who want to podcast but don't know how and feel like they need some guidance, we're offering free 15-minute discovery calls on helping you start your podcast also, you can check us out on Wednesday, 7.30 in a recession-proof room on Clubhouse talking about building that podcast from scratch. Make sure y'all follow my guy, man, KT. He's not here, but he's here with us in spirit, man. Make sure y'all follow him on IG at 843 Ambassador. Yes. Make sure y'all go to Express. You know he an Express Ambassador right now, so, you know. Make sure y'all go to Express and get y'all some Express clothes. Express men, for real. You know to follow me. It's your boy Gualami Swirl on IG at Gualami Swirl. Make sure y'all tapping into the music on all the major streaming platforms. I'm now on Always Pressure Card TV as well. My video and content is on there. And I'm on Art Monkey Radio. So make sure y'all tap in. This has been another episode of the 1409 Podcast, and we are out. Peace.